Hello and welcome back to That's Life. I'm your host Matthew Whisker and today I'm going to be talking about fear and more importantly how to be fearless in the face of trials and troubles. I know that fear is a huge problem in our world at the moment. It's something that I'm passionate about helping break. Especially as it's something that God has delivered me from as I've walked with him and journeyed into relationship with Jesus. But before I get to the meat of what I want to talk about, I want to define fear. The Oxford English Dictionary says it is the emotion of pain or uneasiness caused by the sense of impending danger or by the prospect of some possible evil. You know, in the age of coronavirus, it can be so easy for us to feel uneasy about a multitude of things. It can be so easy for our mental health to take a a nosedive and to really um, adversely get affected, get adversely affected by what is going on around us because we're in an uncertain time. You know, there's death, there's becoming ill, we don't really know how the coronavirus virus works really to the best of our knowledge and you know those who are most vulnerable it's so easy to become ill um, and people are scared of that even those who are healthy are scared of you know, family members friends significant others becoming ill and dying and people are scared of not being able to do life in the ways that they fully expected this year has shown through a, a pandemic a global pandemic and a nearly near global lockdown that life has not happened in the way that any of us expected. But all these fears are valid, even if they seem like the craziest thing in the world. That is the individual person's experience. That is how they are feeling. If someone is scared of cotton wool, which is a real fear, they're perfectly valid. And that fear, that phobia, if people are scared of someone following them down the street at night, that's a perfectly valid fear. But I do believe that fears can be healthy and unhealthy. And I want to highlight today what I mean by these. To really grasp what I mean by healthy and unhealthy fears, really I want to look at some examples from my own life for context. You see, when I was a teenager, I needed therapy on a few separate occasions because I was scared of all insects. It was a crippling fear, like, whether or not they were flying, I was scared of them. I was scared of butterflies. I was scared of ladybirds. I was scared of spiders. Um, I was scared of bees, so on. You know, all, all insects, whether or not they flew, I was scared of them. It got to the point where oftentimes I would lock myself in my car because the tiniest fly literally no more than the size of, say, my fingernail, was outside trying to get to my McDonald's meal that I was eating in the car at the time. Once on a journey to school, a ladybird landed on my hand. I began to scream very loudly. Parents had to stop the car in a safe place and get the ladybird off me and calm me down before we continued on to school. Like, these were crippling fears. These were unhealthy fears. They restricted my life in ways that could very easily be solved. In contrast, I'm scared of being abandoned by people I'm very close to. One's a very big fear for one reason, one's a very big fear for another reason. But one's unhealthy and one's healthy. You know, I, I 
use the fear of abandonment really to fuel my love for people because I want to love people how Jesus loved them. I know if people abandon me, that is fine because people abandon Jesus. Anything Jesus went through, I'm like, okay, Jesus went through it. If the Son of God can go through it, then I can go through it and be fine. I'm not going to end up being crucified because all my friends are leaving me. So I, I want to love how Jesus loved, despite being on the cross, despite being put to death. Even after he resurrected and ascended to heaven, he still loved people as much as he could with an unending grace. And I want to carry that with me. I want to use it to try and hold on to the friendships I have. And I want to use it to try and build up the friendships that I already have. While also, you know, building up new friendships. I know that if I don't put in the effort to love others, then I will not have the quality of friendships I could have. So therefore, I consider that fear of abandonment a very healthy one. Because it helps me proactively try to live more like Jesus every single day. You know, all of us will feel fear during our lifetimes. It's perfectly human. You know, Jesus even felt fear. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to God if he could have his death averted, he wanted it to be averted. He did not want to go to the cross. He did not want to die. But because it fueled his desire to fulfill the Father's will, then it was a healthy fear. We'll all feel fear. But it's whether we choose to run with it or let it stop us is when it becomes healthier and healthy. You know, there's three things that I want to highlight about fearlessness that I think can be really great takeaways and can really help you grow in fearlessness. It's helped me grow in fearlessness. I feel like compared to where I was, I'm a pretty fearless person. And these are three pointers out of many that that I think are very important for developing this sense of fearlessness as you partner with God and as you grow in your relationship with him. My first point is that we can see real fearlessness grow in our day to day. The Bible talks about living fearlessly every day in our day to day lives. My absolute all time favourite verse is from second book of Timothy, chapter one, verse seven, which reads, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I'll read it again. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If we believe the Holy Spirit lives within us, as Christians, and if we believe that we take Jesus with us in our day-to-day -day walks, Wherever we go, doesn't matter whether it's the shop, church, the park, mission trip abroad. If we believe it, then as we delve deeper and deeper into that relationship we have with God, that father to child relationship that we have, we can, I believe, naturally see a real fearlessness develop in our lives. It doesn't mean we won't be scared for the rest of our days. Now, over these last three or four years, I've really been delving into what it means to be an emotionally healthy Christian. 
And a part of that is acknowledging our pain, acknowledging our shame, acknowledging our fears, you know, all of those adverse emotions and not boxing off. I believe we should absolutely acknowledge when we are feeling scared. But fearlessness doesn't mean you won't be scared. Fearlessness means you'll do things regardless of if you're scared. I believe we'll always feel pain, fear and sadness, etc. Even when we're walking with Jesus. Jesus even said, just because you follow me doesn't mean you will be immune to the things of the world. But just because we have that relationship with God does not mean we will not experience those things. It means we can experience them with God by our side, even when we feel most alone. The second point I want to say is that fear doesn't have to stop us. When Abraham was told by God to sacrifice Isaac, he was petrified. He was so scared. I can imagine it. He was. Anyone would be. If you were told to sacrifice the closest person in your life to God, would you do it? I don't think you would. I wouldn't. I don't think you would. When Abraham was told Sarah would give birth, when they were both nearly a hundred, he was scared. He didn't believe God. I think he even laughed it off. There were moments when he didn't believe God. You know, after all, who would believe they would have their first child at a hundred? But Abraham chose to trust God regardless. For that, he had so many great opportunities. He literally became the father of nations. Because he chose to trust God and believe God regardless, Jesus happened. You know, you could argue that, you know, Jesus would have happened regardless. You know, a different, different family line. But because Abraham trusted, it went through Abraham's family line. Now, I'm not saying that if you're too scared to trust God, you won't get those chances. Of course not. Like, that's unrealistic. I know a lot of people who are not Christians, who do not walk with the Lord, but who have loads of opportunities and have had many blessings in their lives. But they they don't believe in God. But I believe that if you wholeheartedly feel the fear and do it anyway, you will absolutely get chances whenever they come your way. One story that really interests me is the story of Danny Wallace. If you don't know who he is, he wrote a book in about 2008, inspired by the fact that he said yes to everything for a year. He ended up furthering his career. He met people he never thought he would met, meet. And 2008, the film Yes Man, starring Jim Carrey, was released based on his life, based on that year of his life. But that's all because he said yes to everything. If he didn't feel the fear and do it anyway, there would be no Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Or at least it wouldn't be in the the version it is. There would be no Yes Man book. There would be no kind of furthering of his career when it happened. The people that he met, he would never have met, potentially. Fear doesn't have to stop us. And our willingness to partner with God and with people can even result in taking opportunities we never thought we would have. The third point I want to make, which is definitely not the least, even though it is the final point, you know, that old cliche, it's that fearlessness is a gateway to seeing God break into other people's lives. The writer of Hebrews describes faith as the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. If we choose faith over fear, 
then we can use our individual stories to bring hope and light into the lives of those who are not currently in a place of hope and light. Now, the great commission, the great commandment is that we should go out into the whole world and make disciples of all nations. That doesn't start with being restricted by fear. That starts with being fearless. The people who are hurting, if they see the light in our lives, if they can see Jesus, they will see there is no need to worry. There is no need to wonder where they can place their trust because a lot of people are hurting. Even Christians are hurting. But those who don't know Jesus, truly don't know Jesus, wonder where where can I place my trust? Do I place it in things in the world? Do I place it in people? Now, if we we can extend kindness, show them Jesus and what he has done for us, what he can do for them, then they can see God. Jesus says, no one can come to the Father except through me. If people can't see what Jesus has done for us and how he is transforming us and how he is making us fearless, they won't have the faith to trust him. But we can't do it on our earthly earthly ideals and earthly standing. We have to do it trusting God the whole time. If we're too scared to spread the gospel, how can people receive the Holy Spirit? How can people receive God's grace and forgiveness? Because, you know, it's that classic, to become a Christian, you have to believe Jesus died for the sins of mankind, rose again, ascended. But then you have to repent of all your sins. It's a pretty tough pill to swallow can't receive God's grace and forgiveness if people don't trust to do that. So as we come into land on this podcast episode, I want to highlight the importance of accountability partners and mentors. I've not mentioned them before, but I'm mentioning them now. I believe that having an accountability partner and a mentor are two great ways of keeping yourself open, transparent and engaged with people and with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. We choose one or two people who you trust, who you look up to, who you can, who are friends with, who you can hold yourself accountable to. You can be reminded when you're swerving off track and when you're struggling with feeling fearless or, or any other any other thing in your life. It doesn't have to be fearlessness. Um, similarly, mentors are people who you can talk to when you're struggling and when you want to ask them questions about life, faith, and how it all ties together. I don't believe mentors should be friends. I believe if your mentor is your friend, then it's not an official mentorship. However, I do believe that mentors should be people who you look up to and who are more spiritually mature than you. Unlike accountability partners, I recommend one person being your mentor as opposed to one or two. And I think, like I said, I think it should be someone who is more mature than you spiritually and who you trust to give you great advice as well as biblical insight. Sometimes churches give you a mentor if you say, hey, I want a mentor. Um, But if you are specifically seeking one person out yourself, then I think 
approach someone who you trust to be like, hey, can you mentor me? And that could be a conversation you have with your pastor. And I think it should be a conversation you have with your pastor. Um, just for, again, accountability. Thanks to all of you who have listened to this podcast. As always, if you want to keep up to date with all the information, follow my Instagram account at MatthewWhisker1 and my Twitter account at MatthewWhisker. If you have any questions at all, do not be afraid to reach out via my comments or DMs. Sometimes I post polls as well, so feel free to use them. If I use any questions in any of the podcast episodes, they will all be anonymous. So do not feel like you're worried about your name being read out when it won't be. If you want to hear more content, check out my album Change, which is now out on all platforms. Also, please do check out my other podcast that's talk about, which is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, if you want to double those of discussion. Just search for Matthew Whisker on the search tab. I hope you enjoy. <laughs>